Welcome to the Board Out of My Mind podcast, a casual player's journey into tabletop game design. We're on a mission to find out how to get that game idea out of your head and onto the table. Here are your hosts, Kim Breeze and Parker Simpson. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Board Out of My Mind podcast, where we try to help get that board game idea out of your head and on to the table. I am joined again with my wonderful co-host Parker Simpson and our special guest Gabe Barrett and we're going to jump right into part two of our interview with Gabe. Yeah so to kind of wrap up the initial playtesting what would be some of your top tips or best practices that you would recommend at this point? Yeah for sure. Um, One of the main things is you want to make sure the people who are, are giving you their most precious asset their time Mm-hmm. Right. That they feel compensated in some way. Now, some people will pay you, you know, the bigger companies, they'll actually pay for playtesting and they'll give you a free game and you know all sorts of stuff. And that's that's cool. If, if you want to do that and go that direction, have at it. But at least compensate in the way of a thankfulness. Yeah. Right. You're thanking, thanking them in the rule book. Um, you're providing snacks or food. Uh, I recommend snacks on the front end, food on the back end. Like don't don't fill somebody up right before they play a two hour oh, game and they're sure. like, I yeah, got the itis and they're like, <laughs> Oh, I don't know how to make decisions. Um, you know, you know, and also Good they're point. not getting their, their grease, their greasy fingers all, all over your, your brand new prototype. You, yeah, it took four hours to make and now it's all jacked up. So, you know, some nice snacks on the front end kind of, and maybe some caffeine, you know, some sugar, something to kind of get the juices flowing, but then feed them a good meal on the back end, you know, like order some nice food. Because it's also yeah. a kind of a, it's a dopamine. You're messing with their dopamine in a lot of ways, right? So not only are you, playing a game, which is hopefully fun. Hopefully they have an enjoyable time. But also if you give them a nice meal, then in their brain, our little caveman lizard brain, it's like, oh, this is a fun experience. And so the next time you're like, hey, you want to come play test my game? Their brain immediately is like, hey, that was a really good meal. And hopefully it was a good game too, but it was a good, it was good food afterwards at least. And mm-hmm. so you, you're kind of messing with their psychology <laughs> a little bit. But at the same time, really you know, good you're, idea, you're, you're saying, hey, thank you for your mm-hmm. time. Right. Thank mm-hmm. you for um, taking time out of your life and, and helping me. And in theory, they're helping you um, make something that, that you're passionate about, that you might make money from. And so anyway, uh, definitely compensate people in some way. Uh, next thing is really understand the environment that you're in. And what I mean by that is um, like if you have a house full of kids, like that can be kind of chaotic and it might smell funny. And like there's, thing, there's <laughs> things to think about, right? If you're inviting people over to your home and if the room you're in is, is a mess, it it smells bad. It's not a, a conducive environment. Then you need to fix it, right? Do something, light a candle, mm-hmm. uh, clean up before people get there, like do different things to make the environment conducive to creativity and to having an enjoyable experience. Um, understand the difference in context between playtesting at your house versus at a busy convention hall oh, yeah. with lots of noise and lots of distraction. Mm-hmm. Like you're going to get a different playtest, And so just kind of understand that going in. Um, let's see the next one. We were talking about this, but, but stop. Just be willing to shut down a playtest early. You know, if, if people aren't having fun, yeah. it's not like, oh, if we wait 10 more minutes, guys, we're going to have fun. Like, it's it's not going to happen. <laughs> you know, you're getting that them. spiral downward. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. And and before you even start, give people permission at any time to raise their hand and go, I'm done. Like, I'm not having fun anymore. I would rather do mm-hmm. something else. And that's okay. Just create that environment where people feel confident and and oh, it's okay to just raise your hand and go, I'm done. And even check in with them, you know, every 15 minutes or yeah. so. Be like, hey. Um, you know, that's the end of round three and we can continue. We don't have to, does anybody want to stop? Oh, okay. I want to, I want to keep going. Okay. Let's go. Let's, let's keep riding. That's another way to be really respectful of their time too. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it's, yeah. they're much more likely to play again when they don't feel like they've been used. They don't feel like yeah. you, you know, didn't appreciate their time 
whether you meant to or not, you know, it doesn't matter. But we already talked about the, the feedback as far as like, I really like this Goldilocks system. That's my best, you know, advice on, on that as far as that system goes. Don't, don't also get into debates. Don't get into arguments. I've, it's crazy. I've sat in playtesting sessions at the end and playtesters like wanted to argue with the designer about things and the designer gets mad and then people are yelling at each other oh. and it's like, what are we doing? <laughs> what is going on? Uh, and so don't, don't argue if somebody has a bad take, you know, and, or they, or maybe they're just mean. Like I've been in playtests where people are just jerks, you know, they're like, this is the worst game I've ever oh, played. Yeah. Like, always, thank you for your feedback. Yeah. Or they were yeah. angry because you, know, you didn't. Thank you. Them. Exactly. Exactly. Who knows? They're having a hard time at home. I don't know. For sure. I have no idea. Yeah. But, you know, let it go. Don't feel like you have to defend your game. You know, if they say something like really outline, that's like beyond and we're getting into like sexism or, you know, like whatever it is. Okay, fine. You know, maybe take a stand. But for the most part, if it's about your game or about you as a designer or what, eh, let it go. Put it, it's just, just put them on good. the, maybe we won't have them play test again list. And yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, one of the things I've heard you mention on your, your podcast quite a few times is the chew the meat, spit the bones yeah, idea. Absolutely. And that is, that's something that I've subconsciously done with feedback for my own artwork. Mm-hmm. Um, as somebody who's been an illustrator for my entire life, right. taking feedback from people and learning how to take constructive feedback and use it to better my artwork, I can I can definitely see how that'll translate to like people criticizing or like you said, being outright rude right. about it. That's just a good life lesson. Like I'm jotting yeah, that down just for, sure. for day-to-day life. <laughs> <laughs> One thing I also I've noticed, you know, the gaming industry is worldwide, mm-hmm. right? And mm-hmm. English is a lot of people's second or third language. Sure. And so mm-hmm. sometimes they say things and you're like, wow, that's really mean. That's kind of offensive. But, oh, English is not your first language. You maybe just didn't know. Maybe you are a jerk. I don't know. But maybe you just didn't know how to say it in a way that wasn't offensive. I'll give you an example actually from today. Uh, I had a guy that he backed my the Kickstarter I ran uh, several months ago. And I've already, I sent out the print and play files and the print and play rule books and stuff like that. And he was just not satisfied with the rule book. Okay, fine. Rule books are hard. You know, it's hard to write a rule book that everybody understands. Oh yeah. It's just basically impossible. And so he has rewritten the rule book. Okay. I really don't care. Like what you say to me as far as anything negative, I'm glad you took the time and now you can maybe pass your version. Maybe your version of the rule book is going to connect with 20% of the people that I missed. Right. Maybe, yeah. maybe so, <laughs> but, but nothing at the bottom of his rule book. He says he's got like a credits section and it says, thanks to Gabe for his attempts at a rule book. <laughs> and, <laughs> yep. You're welcome. Oh, I, an attempt was made. <laughs> you get an A for effort and that's it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I, so he's crediting for my attempts at a rule book. And again, maybe he meant that as a slight, maybe he meant to be offensive. I don't think so. Right. Again, English is like his second or third language. And even if they don't speak English as a third language, just assume that they do. <laughs> just assume. It just makes things better. You know, when you don't take it personally, take it as, like, again, we're laughing about this. An attempt was made. Like, that's yeah. funny, you know, and maybe he meant it offensively. I don't care. I'm going to take it as humor. <laughs> so, you know, same thing with feedback. Just kind of, again, like, like you're saying, chew the meat, spit out the bones and uh, go from there. It's your game. A lot of times when you when you play test and you do feedback, a lot of times, unfortunately, and, and game designers, we're the worst about this. We will give feedback based on the game we think you should make. I think you should change this, that, and the other because it would be a better game for me. Even though oh, it's not necessarily fair. your vision of the game, right? And so that's one thing you got to be careful about with play testing with designers. Designers give you great feedback from like a mechanical standpoint. Like, hey, 
this is a two. It'd probably be better if it was a four. Instead of drawing five cards, I think you should draw six. Like whatever. Like the mechanism. Like we understand the numbers and the data and yeah. all the stuff behind the scenes because mm-hmm. we've done it a million times. But the, the downside is a lot of times we'll give you feedback, but it's really coercion. It's really like, hey, you should change this because that's how I would change it. It's like, mm-hmm. well, that's not the game I'm making. So thank you, but no thank you. But then with regular gamers, a lot of times they'll give you pretty good feedback as far as like something is wrong, but then they'll try to give you an answer. They're like, hey, um, I feel like this is a problem and you should do this to fix it. And their their problem is good. That's really good feedback. Their answer is terrible because they don't understand the behind the scenes. They don't understand that you've already tried that and it didn't work and you did another thing. You know, And so you have to, mm-hmm. to not listen as much to answers or solutions mm-hmm. from people, but you want to definitely write down the problems, right? Okay. They feel like they don't have enough money. All right. What does that really mean during the game? You know, they don't have enough actions. They don't have enough turns or whatever it is. Right. Um, but when it comes to them giving you solutions, most of the time they're, it's bad, bad advice. <laughs> well, something I've, I've been trying to get better at is I just don't listen to the, to the criticism or the praise. It's Either just, one. Yeah. Like, there's a handful of people that I really legitimately care about their critique, but I also care about their, their feedback from a positive and negative. Mm-hmm. Right. But for the most part, when people are like, Hey, this is awful. Like, okay, thank you for the feedback. Or, Hey, this is amazing. Okay. Thank you for the feedback. Like, and just not letting my emotions get swayed one yeah. way or the other, unless it's coming from a very specific group of people. And no matter what it is, whether we're talking about games or books or podcasting, like whatever it is, yeah. just, you know, let all of it roll off of you, you know, and, and have some people in your life. I like to think of them as gauges. I had a, I had a really good friend who uh, he flew in the hurricane hunters with the military, right? Oh, so wow. he'd fly airplanes into hurricanes and like do the data analysis and like figure out, all right, where the, where's this thing going to go? All that kind of stuff, which is crazy. That's a crazy job. And he was the captain of this yeah. unit that would go into hurricanes. And he would talk about how you would get, I mean, you're flying in, into these hurricanes at night, right? So not only is it torrential oh downpour, every window is just drenched with, you can't see out, you know, it's nighttime. And so you're having to look at your, your gauges. You have to look at your dash and figure out, okay, where are we? Because you would hit an updraft or a downdraft and you would change altitude 10,000 feet in a moment, right? And you're like, hey, are we going to hit the ocean? Like, we're, <laughs> we're like free falling right now. Are we about to blow up? And he, you, he would talk about how you had to trust your gauges, right? And you had to really have, one, good gauges that worked really well, but then you have to trust them. And then I was really thinking about that that's one really you know, it was a couple years ago. And I was like, man, that's, that's life. Yeah. Like, what are my gauges? Yeah. You know, is my gauge Instagram followers? Like, mm. am I going to let my... My mind, my psychology, the the way I live my life, is that going to be determined by, you know, likes and follows and stuff like that? Uh, am I going to let board game geek comments mess with me? Is that going to be one of my gauges? You know, social yeah. media posts and comments, is that going to be a gauge? Um, or, or not. Like, But you get to choose your gauges. You know what I mean? And so, whether it's from a spiritual standpoint, whether you have, you know, whether it's like the Bible or, you know, a prayer time, like whatever it is spiritually, or you have a group of like really good friends or really good colleagues or whatever, mm-hmm. but whatever it is, figuring out what your gauges are. And then just going with that. And then when other people say stuff, it really doesn't matter. Because I'm looking at my yeah, altimeter. The, the I know I'm, I'm not about to hit the ocean. I'm okay. Exactly. <laughs> yes, yeah, the so hurricane outside and said, that's, that's amazing, actually. Because uh, I've heard I've heard yeah, reference to like a, your personal board of directors. I've I've heard that phrase yeah. around before too. Mm-hmm. But I, I kinda like the gauges more because it's not just that can be a lot of different things that you're using to Yeah, it's not just people. Mm-hmm. It's it's yeah. a lot of stuff. And yeah, I mean that's anything. You know, For game design sure. is obviously the, the, the vehicle that I, I go from place to place, but you know, there's, there's yeah, so many things. And that's the thing I love about game design. It's like, 
it's a million things. It's engineering, it's art, yeah. it's, it's creativity, it's problem solving. I get so many different cool things that all come together in a way that other hobbies, other art forms don't, they don't, For sure. you know, like you just don't have as many skill sets. I feel like, Oh, one more, one more best practice. How about that? <laughs> kind of close off that section. Um, Honorable mention. It's kind of fun. Yeah. If you sit down at a play test and it kind of has to be with people that either don't know you or, or you're not super familiar with, but you tell them that a friend of yours asked if you would help them play test the game. And so this is not your game. You don't tell them it's your game. You tell them it's a friend of yours. Mm. It's their game. And you know how to play it and you're going to teach it. But, you know, that way they don't feel like they're hurting your feelings. It's not your game. Right? So they feel a little more open. They can be a little more critical. They can be a little more honest in their feedback. You have to have a little tougher skin because <laughs> that might not turn out so well. Like really know yourself before you right. do that. But uh, it is a good way to get some really good feedback. That's a good idea because you're right. I I personally, and that was it, one of the things I wanted to pick up as we talked about playtesting on the podcast is how can I as a playtester give better feedback? And you're right. If you trick me into that, because I probably, I'm not the kind of person who can be a internet warrior and say horrible things to people's faces when I think they can't see me. I certainly can't do it in per- in person. So how do I make that? And we don't have to, that's a, that's a totally different podcast episode, but how do I as a play tester then make that feedback worthwhile and good and not worry, you know, whether or not I know that, that I'm talking to the designer, or I'm talking to the designer's friend, but that's a good way to trick someone's brain because I absolutely would be more apprehensive of saying something negative to someone to their face. Right. Yeah. That's slick. Like going under. Yeah, cover. totally under. Exactly. I like it. So lastly, uh, in regards to the the tips and stuff, how how would these things translate to remote playtesting? Uh, most of my playtesters are probably going to be folks that I don't have locally. So using TTS as uh, like the the avenue to play test. Um, do you have experience doing remote play testing? I know that with the the last couple of years in the pandemic, I'm sure that that's affected that in some way. Do you have any any tips on that? Yeah. Well, one thing I did, I started making solo games, and that made that a whole <laughs> lot easier. But uh, <laughs> I, like, I need a play tester. Well, I'm here. So yeah. <laughs> but yeah, one one of the biggest things with with online testing, tabletop simulator or uh, any of those, Tabletopia, another one, is understand that the game length, the game time, is going to take probably double. So if it's a 30-minute game, it's going to take an hour. And I don't know why. I, I don't know why it yeah. takes so much longer. It's about double. And so if you have a one-hour game, yep. it's going to take you two hours. And so don't let that mess up your design. Because you might go, man, that game took two hours. I need to like totally do some things differently. Mm-hmm. Probably not. It might be right on track. It's just, it takes a long time. And also it feels like people, it's like they think they need to explain everything that they're doing because they, because you can't see them, I guess. And they're like, okay, I'm going to roll the dice. It's like You could have just, you didn't have to tell me like, I can see the dice if they're rolling or not, you know, but it, it's almost like we have to give a play by play. And maybe that's why it takes so long. <laughs> it's like right. we talk through every single step of what we're doing as we play. So that's something. Um, you don't get the same just table interaction. Right. Where you can look in somebody's eyes and think, are you lying to me right now? Are you? Oh, yeah. Are you the, are you are you the, the thing we're looking for? You know, if you're doing like, you know, any of those kind of games. Yeah. Any kind of game with um, like the social kind of aspect to it. It's a hard it's a hard thing. Right. Even if it's a game not not based on social deduction, like that's not the core mechanism. But if there's anything in there that has to do with bluffing or anything, that's going to be a really hard test. So just be aware of that. The main thing is just understanding the limitations of the medium. Right. So don't. Don't let it, don't let the limitation determine your design process. Like understand 
no, this is this is just part of it, right? I'm going to get really good feedback for these things, but then these things over here, I cannot rely on this system at all. I've got to do in-person play tests to understand these other aspects. So that's I, a I good think that's, point. A, that's a big yeah. one. I hadn't even but, thought um, about that when Parker and I played on TTS. Yeah. You're right. Everything I've ever played on TTS takes twice as long than it does in person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But I mean, it's a beautiful thing though, because you can sit down and play with people across the world. You know, it's oh, another thing sure. that just really opened up. And now because of the pandemic, everybody yeah. is used to it for the most part. Like people have probably played an online game in some form. Right. And so it's not near as much of a, a hard sell to somebody to do this. They probably have one of the programs on their computer or access to it. They probably already done it. So that's, that's nice. You, you've, you've broken down a barrier there, but uh, yeah, it's, it can be challenging for, for certain things. So just know that and just don't that's let it affect point. you too much. One of the, one of the things I get questioned about a lot is how many, oh, yeah. like how many play tests should you, um, and my answer is always one more, one more, just do one more and whatever that means, because there's no, there's no magical, Oh, you need to play test it a hundred times. Maybe, that might be too much. That might be not enough, depending on the game. So it really just depends on the context of the game, how you feel about it, how much asymmetry do you have? Do you really need to play test every single character versus every single other character to really make sure the balance is there? I've got a game um, that's not mine. It's a, I, I signed a game from another designer for my company, but it's got like 20 different oh, wow. asymmetrical characters. You got you to play them all against each other. And that just takes a long time. And you got to do it over and over and over again. And you got to play test an experienced player with this character and a non-experienced player with this other character and then switch. And it's just, it takes a very, very long time. And that's just part of it versus a game that has four characters. You know, it's going to be very different. And so mm-hmm. the main thing is just, just keep play testing. Like you can never do it enough in theory, right? You, you're always going to see new things, but um, if you're, if you're wondering, have I play tested it enough? Probably not. So that's kind of a good rule of thumb. Do, do some more. If you're wondering about it, do that's some fair. more. That's <laughs> fair. That's fair. Okay. Yeah. And so I guess my, my major takeaway is if I'm going to have people over for a dumpster fire party, serve some pizza. Not before. Yeah. Or something better than pizza. The worse the game, the better the food needs to be. (laughs) The bigger the fire, the better the food. Like it's it's like a, it's a, yeah, it's a ratio there. Don't just do dominoes. You're saying I actually have to spring for good pizza. Yeah. I would do something because again, you're, you're, you're messing with their dopamine, right? So if the game is not going to provide enough dopamine, then the food needs to so know your know your crowd's favorite stuff you may have to up it to like chipotle i'm kidding yeah exactly. Mm. or the, or the exactly. local pizza shop that's really good <laughs> rather than domino's <laughs> that's mm. that's how we gauge pizza around here uh is it local or is it domino's <laughs> so gabe what uh what's next for you like are you got some projects that you're working on that you would want to share or things that you're designing uh too many Honestly, yeah, I've never met a game designer that's oh, like, good. No, I've got enough going on. I've got, you know, I'm, I'm looking for some things. I'm looking for some ideas, looking for some stuff to do. You're like, no, all of us have way too much, way more things than we could ever accomplish in one lifetime. But um, still working on Robomon. Uh, it's been a passion project for two and a half years now. And um, I ran the crowdfunding campaign towards the end of last year, did pretty well. And so really excited to get that one to people, you know, get it on their tables here that's exciting. later this year. Got some, got some more games in the Hunted series that I'm trying to get. Uh, done with and do a campaign Ooh. later this year a game called card clash i was just telling you about it's got all sorts of different characters and it's it's a fun one it's just every character has their own totally different deck and you just sit down and you just see what happens and um every every character plays very, very different and that's been a lot of fun and then oh another one i'm working on from a game design standpoint huh. it's called find the fun and it's a book with a lot of my just kind of like best knowledge and 
best takeaways from the podcast. But then it's also a game. Okay. So it's a board game about how to Ooh. design board games. But then the way it's packaged, you can actually turn it into your own prototype. Like it's it's packaged in a way where if you want to, you can just repurpose it and you are you have what you need to make a prototype is that's the idea. Cool. Right. So anyway, that's that's actually my next project, more likely. It'll be on Kickstarter maybe oh, wow. in okay. February. Oh, that's exciting. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's links in the bio. Yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, all that. And then, uh, then this YouTube channel, uh, I switched over from, from my podcast. I kind of let that, um, mm-hmm. go on hiatus. You know, I hit episode three Oh one and I was like, all right, let's go, let's go try to do something else. And so I've been doing YouTube ever since for the last few months. And it's been a lot of fun, you know, trying to put together videos and <laughs> the whole gauges thing is on my mind because I'm oh, working cool. on a video yeah. about that. Right. And talk about my friend mm-hmm. flying into hurricanes and, you know, so it's, it's kind of fun to talk through these things. Um, and then, because they're going to become videos, cool. I'm working on scripts and different things like that. And so, yeah, it's been a lot of fun. Well, where can everyone uh, find you for all these various things if they want to follow along in your various journeys? Yeah, so I mean, if you Google my name, you'll you'll find a ton of things. Luckily, there's not very many people with my name in the world. I don't think, or if there are, they're really mad at me because I'm like the first <laughs> ten pages of Google because I've done so many different random things. And um, so, anyway, just Google my name, I guess. But um, my YouTube channel, you can find that. It's just under my name, uh, the Board Game Design Lab. Yep. You know, the podcast episodes are still all available. The website's there. The fa- Facebook community is phenomenal. One of my favorite places. It's my only reason to use Facebook. I agree. Honestly. And so if you just uh, type that in the search bar, then uh, you'll find us there. And yeah. That's, Wonderful. That's about it. Well, Parker, uh, I'll see if you agree with me. I think it might be about time to box up this episode. What do you think? I'd say so. Yeah. All right, Gabe. So boxing up is a little bit different here on board out of my mind. And to do that, we are going to ask you okay. five rapid fire as rapid as we get. <laughs> I don't expect one word answer. So you're okay. Uh, here we go. Okay. What is your favorite board game mechanic? Favorite board game mechanism. We only have good questions question. here, Gabe. I don't know. <gasps> dexterity. I love dexterity. And you'll notice it in so many of my games. You're like this didn't need a dexterity mechanic, but I put it there anyway. And so like games that aren't even dexterity based, they'll just have a random dexterity moment. We were like, Oh, I get to throw something at something else now. And so I love dexterity. I love dexterity games in general. There are definitely not enough of those. I would agree. Uh, Which game do you think should have been more popular? Doesn't have to be yours. Could be somebody else's. Any of mine (laughs) would have been nice just to make a little more money to pay these bills. Um, that's a good question. I'm trying to think like what I've played recently. Actually, I'm going to oh. go with the fuzzies. I love. Yeah. Yeah. I've seen this one, game, but it's like, yeah, it's like Jenga and it had a decent Kickstarter campaign, but I feel like I haven't seen enough people as, as beloved right. as Jenga is. And it's such a cool twist, cool take on it that I felt like, mm-hmm. like well, I bought it as soon as I saw it. I was like, I'm, I'm going to love this. My kids are going to love it. And we played all the time, but I kind of thought more people. Right. I don't see very many people talking so, about that one. You're right. Surprised. That's fair. All right. Yeah. Who is your favorite uh, game designer besides yourself? Probably Matt Leacock. Okay. From from a from two angles. One because of the games he's created True. are just phenomenal. But then two, the interactions I've had. He was a guest on my show. Like I learned so much from that episode, and just everything I've read from him as a designer and personally and stuff like that. Uh, same with Ryan Ryan Lockett. So I'm, I'm going to do a little little double. Matt Leacock and Ryan Lockett, just phenomenal people from one angle. Everything I've ever played from mm-hmm. them has been really, really good. But then from the other angle, 
to get to know them more personally, either through my show or you know just in general, such good, wonderful people with amazing creative mm-hmm. minds. And then just so open to talk about stuff, like trying to help other people. Right. So from, from two angles. Yeah. Uh, what game started your board game journey? D and D from a gaming in general, uh, in college, I really, me and a group of friends got into D and D and that was awesome. And then out of that, we started playing, we played Catan, but I didn't, I didn't really like it. Like, I know that's how a lot of people get into gaming. It's yeah. Fine. It's fine. Fun fact of the day. Did you know that the guy who created Catan, I can't remember, was it Klaus Teuber? Mm-hmm. Tauber, however you say it in German, Klaus, Klaus, um, the first edition of Catan, which had about 5,000 copies in the first print run, it sold out so fast that he did not get a copy. <gasps> oh my gosh. Could you imagine? Yeah. Fun fact. Wow. So. I'm- Mind blown fact of the day. All right. Last and certainly not least, because we only ask hard questions. uh, Which game do you wish that you had designed? Guitar. (laughs) (laughs) Because it would be better. No, it wouldn't be better. I would just have a lot more money. Um, (laughs) Ticket to Ride, which is sold. Also, 50 million million, copies. Yeah. This is all business. I don't care if these are good games. This is all bottom line. Um, (laughs) But from a... um, from a design standpoint, um, Sleeping Gods oh. is such an inspiration to me, especially mm-hmm. in the last couple of years. Uh, it inspired Robomon in so many ways. Nice. And um, just a phenomenal achievement of gaming. Uh, so that's that's from just a thematic like, oh, I love this game. Yeah. Um, that's that's definitely on there. That's a good answer. Time like Stories is another one. Mm, yeah. Uh, I was a... I was a big fan of Time Stories for a long time until it just got a little bit too repetitive, a little too redundant. That's fair. Uh, I, I haven't played the newer version where I think it's maybe they fix some of those issues, but I, I just love that game. Like overall, like you have the, the art that all matches together and you've got yeah. the storytelling. Like it's just Beautiful. a cool concept of a game. You can do all these different themes and mechanisms and it's a wonderful system. And so that game really unlocked some ideas in my mind as a designer, as far as like, okay, create a cool system that then you can play around with. And mm-hmm. then, you know, not too long after that, the, uh, the hunted series of mine, mm-hmm. like really got going. It's like, okay, you can use the same core mechanism, but you can do it in a million different ways yeah, and different mm-hmm. other, you know, kind of side mechanisms and things like that. And so, yeah, time stories really unlock some things as a designer. So another fun fact is uh pandemic has the world record for most, people playing at the same time oh uh, it was in 2020 it was seven billion. Oh my gosh so seven billion concurrent players jeez louise that's i mean i thought gen con was big <laughs> <laughs> well gabe we certainly appreciate you joining us and sharing a, a ton of helpful insights i really love learning how game designers and those and how you folks really put these these things together i love learning how something works from the inside out so and again i wrote down several life points that i'm taking away with me so thank you for joining us and sharing all your wisdom yeah my pleasure i really i just enjoy talking about this stuff and um whether it's life in general or obviously game design it's it's always a lot of fun and thank you all so much for inviting me on yeah make sure yeah, yeah make sure you, deeper deeper than just game design it's fantastic yeah you're going to learn all kinds of stuff here. And uh, yeah, make sure you are following along with this journey. If you are not already, I'll make sure we have links in the show notes. If you want to follow along in my uh, far less than exciting Gabe's uh, reality, you can follow me at Tabletop Rebellion or you can hop into our Tabletop Rebels Facebook group. And I'm still Parker Simpson artwork everywhere. Love it. All right, everybody. Until next time. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Board Out of My Mind podcast. 
find us on social media as Bored Out of My Mind Podcast, and tell us about your own game design journey, or drop us a line via email to boredoutofmymindpodcast at gmail.com. The Bored Out of My Mind Podcast is a production of Boom Productions. Until next time.